In the book of Ruth, there's a comeback story, and it really uh, gives us so much inspiration, and, uh, and I'll share a little bit about um, my comeback, but it, God, God can't do a comeback without someone who has a comeback spirit yes. and who breaks through yeah. all the things that try to separate us from that kind of in result. Here, here's what the Bible says in verse 12. The women of Bethlehem are prophesying. They're praying over Naomi and over her daughter-in-law, Ruth, who's marrying Boaz. And they gave her this pronouncement, may your house be like the house of Perez. Yeah. So they reached way back into antiquity and found this boy named Perez who was born to Tamar. And Perez literally means breakthrough. So how they heard it was, may your house be the house of breakthrough. May your house. Whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. And then they go on to say, then the woman said, verse 14, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, a goal without a Kinsman, it's an important word in Hebrew tradition. A redeeming kinsman, the one who has the power and the right, the authority to redeem. Who's not left you without a redeemer. May his name be famous. Boaz, of course, our Boaz is Jesus, who's redeemed us by his blood out of the prison of sin and made us his own. And may he be to you a restorer of life. And a nourisher of your old age. I can now claim that part of the verse. <laughs> For your daughter-in-law who loves you is better than to you than seven sons has borne him. Lord, thank you for Ocean's Church. Thank you for this night. I'm humbled to be here with my friends. I'm so excited what you're doing. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Continue to move. Anoint your servant, your word, and your people. Show the devil who's boss. Lift up the discouraged. Heal the hurting. Deliver the bound. Save the lost. Let vision come to all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. This great prophetic prayer came to a woman who had lost everything. If you read it in chapter 1, Naomi was with her husband, and her two young sons, probably teenagers, and there was a famine in Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. And whenever the church stops having heaven's bread, a spiritual famine happens and people scatter. And so they left Bethlehem and went to Moab. They went to a place to survive. And while they're there, the boys grew and they married Moabite women. And everything seemed good for a small season of time. And then unbelievable tragedy happened. First, her husband became ill and died. And then both of her sons died, childless. And there there suddenly, the picture is, we have three widows. An older one who is not capable of having children. And younger ones who were just starting out in life. And life had betrayed them. And so she said to her daughter-in-law, I release you. I have no more sons to give you. Go do whatever you want to do. And Orphra said, 
kissed her and left her. But Ruth clung to her and said, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Where you die, I will die. And there is something powerful when people believe in you, when you're at your low point in life and you have nothing to offer them. Much of, you know, especially with leaders, you can all identify the kind of initial suspicion you have about the relational connections you have because everybody wants something from you. And it's a rarity when someone doesn't want anything from you. And especially when you don't have much to offer them. You find out who's a true friend. Friends stay even when you have nothing to offer them. And they make such a difference in our life as, as, as people when someone just stands with you. And so they, they began their journey from Moab back to her hometown, Bethlehem, to survive as widows. It was always hard for single women. It was incredibly hard in this time in antiquity for them to even survive. And so they come home, and as they come home, Naomi's friends who knew her all of her life before she left greeted her. Welcome home, Naomi. Naomi means pleasant one. And they, welcome home, pleasant one, welcome home. And she said, stop it, stop it, stop it. I hate that name. Don't call me pleasant one, call me Mara, bitter one. I went out full, but I'm coming home empty. There was something so devastating about the season of life that empties you of everything. And she said, don't call me what I can't be. And so Ruth is still with her, and the Bible says they, God, God made it in his providence a care for the poor, especially for widows and orphans, and they would glean in fields. And so when they would harvest a field, they would leave 10% behind for those in need. And so they found this large field that was subdivided into many places. And so it happened that Ruth went to the part of the field that belonged to the rich bachelor. Anybody watch the bachelor show? My, my wife's not here. I can re She watches it. And one of the reasons we have a strong marriage is we have two TVs. I said, don't make me watch that. <laughs> and, and so Ruth is gleaning with the eligible, godly, rich bachelor field. He sees her and immediately falls in love with her and says to his, he protects her. He gives permission to her. He gives provision to her. And so... When she came home and told, he said, leave handfuls of purpose behind for her. She walked through the field, bundled up provision. You're going to walk through this year. And every month there's provision bundled up for you, just waiting for you to pick up. And she came home and told Naomi. And Naomi says, that's it. That's it. He, he's got his eye on you. So Naomi guided her through the process of relational connection to this man, how to do it according to maybe Jewish custom. So Naomi was the guide. And so sure enough, Boaz 
loves her, she loves him, and they're together. There was a relative, and it just so happened that he was a relative, not the closest, but he was a relative to her dead husband. And so he had some redeeming right, but there was a closer relative, but he didn't want her that would be the young woman because of responsibilities financially. So God even worked that out. So, so now, suddenly, in one moment, the heartache of all she had lost was beginning to be washed away by the miracle. She's, she's watching what God's doing. And, and sure enough, this couple, they have a baby. And they, the Bible says that Naomi became the nurse of that baby. She, she got the nurse, the miracle God gave her. And, and just like the women said, you're a person of breakthrough. I wonder, Pastor Mark, how many other pastors God asked to do baptize California or baptize Southern California. I know, I know it sounds new, but in the spirit it's probably been here 50 years waiting for someone to break through and take it. For someone to have breakthrough courage, breakthrough faith. For someone to have a breakthrough spirit to do things outside of the immediate walls of the church that benefit the whole nation and not just our congregation. So your pastor here has a breakthrough spirit and people that come to this church are going to catch that spirit and break through in business, in arts, in media, in education, in government. In every realm of life, God has something for you. And so we're watching in real time a church breakthrough, not because of some arbitrary mood God is in, because God's wanted to do this in Orange County for a long time. God finally found someone who was ready to break through. And who... In, in your past, there's he found someone not intimidated by old boundaries and old limitations and said no we don't have to be bound by those let's do it let's do it and so the most people in american history baptized in one day right here in pirate's curl because of your crazy wild breakthrough pastor and now we're going to baptize the whole world what's next baptize universe we're coming, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, get ready. We're coming for you. And it's inspiring. It, it, why is it inspiring? Because it's a breakthrough way of thinking. And so if you feel challenged by it, well, it's because you still got a breakthrough. The breakthrough into a bigger realm of, in, in the book of Second Kings, not in my notes, so don't worry about it, guys. Second Kings 13, Elisha is dying. He's in the last seasons of his life, and he calls King Joash to him, and he, he said to the king, grab some arrows. And then they shot an arrow through a window, opened a window, shoot that arrow, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. They said, grab some arrows. Right. The king grabbed some arrows, and the prophet said, strike the ground. And Joash struck the ground three times. 
And the prophet now on death's door is angry. And he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Why? Because they had lost six cities to Syria. And they only got three of them back because of the small thinking and the limited faith of the king. I wonder how many breakthroughs have not happened because of the small thinking and the limited vision of leaders. And we, we don't want to hinder heaven because our vision and our faith is less than what God wants to do. Strike the ground. Why not California? Come on, you basically have 49 states cursing California. And everyone has an opinion about California. It makes me know that's just where God's going to move in California. Every, in life, every spiritual breakthrough in the last 100 years has come from, begun in California. It really has happened here. So consequential, every technology breakthrough, the whole world is being changed by Silicon Valley. The last 20 years, unbelievable influence. The, the, those, those people in that realm had the most concentrated power of any group of people in, in world history. It's, it's hard to understand the power they're carrying, not just by mere wealth, but by the things they control, especially in media and technology. So we, we want to break through like this gal broke through. Just a couple of things. Don't... The Bible says in, in Joel 2.25, God says to broken-hearted people, I will restore the years to you. My amazing son is here. He knows our family story. I will just briefly share it. Beautiful Mary and I have been married in May 45 years. And uh, people say... Pastor, what's the secret to a, a great marriage? Marry an angel. Okay. And also be a good forgiver. That's more her than me. And I've been in the ministry now 46 years. And it's such an honor and a privilege to serve God. The service church. And uh, I was a youth pastor, worship pastor, associate pastor. And at the the age of 27, I moved back from California to Scottsdale to start a church called the Eagle's Nest, and the Lord blessed it. In about 10 years, it was the size of this church. It took me 10 years, about 5,000 people on the weekend. And we were building our building, a 4,800-seat auditorium, 4,800 4, seats. It was about halfway up. And in August of 1995, our church treasurer embezzled $20 million, took all of our money. So he was a local prominent business person, seven businesses, a, a, a lot of stuff there. So 10 front page stories and headlines in the paper, six lawsuits, two class action lawsuits, 15 concurrent attorneys. The church dwindled from 5,000 over two years to 140. That's where we bottomed out at. And uh, I became clinically, manically, and suicidally depressed for two and a half years. My children kept me alive. My children, looking at their beautiful little faces. 
And uh, all these things, we were homeless for 10 months as a family after owning a beautiful home. It just was an unbelievable storm and trial. My oldest son, Matthew's, um, Timmy's older brother, started self-medicating with drugs and grew into full-blown addiction with drugs and alcohol as a 13-year-old. So all those things happened, and, um, you know, life was tough. And the Lord said to me, Michael, would you like the pain that you feel to go away? I said, yes, Jesus. I've made a list of some people here. And uh, Lord, Old Testament style, New Testament style. Have the freedom to do it your way. And, and the Lord, what the Lord said to me next gave me the master key to break out of the prison of depression. And he said, Michael, if you will forgive the people that have hurt you, I will make you forget the pain they've caused you. And I just want to say, fast forward, I did and he did. The Lord gave, the Lord not only took away the pain, he gave me an ocean of love for the people who broke my heart. That's how powerful the love of God is. That's how powerful it is. And... I knew my heart started getting healthy again. See, see, we need hope. Hope is not just a, an important event for pastors to talk about and politicians every four years to talk about. Hope is the daily oxygen we need to be healthy people. Hope is the oxygen of the human soul. We suffocate without it. And when I did a forensics, I was finishing my PhD in psychology while I was suicidally depressed. Perfect man, perfect man. And uh, I realized my depression was primarily because I was completely hopeless. 37 and hopeless. I couldn't imagine a future because a, a real a scandal is the worst thing a church can have and we were having a doozy of a scandal. And all these things happened and it took for, we eventually won all the losses. No, the paper didn't cover any of that. Just amazing stuff. And the, you know, God helped us. And I, what, what happened was I started having thoughts about the future again. See, so, so you know, your heart is healthy when it starts to dream again. God made your heart to be a dream factory. And if you're not dreaming, something's wrong in your heart. The biggest dream, uh, we heard from a dreamer tonight. His exuberance, his excitement, his passion. Man, how inspiring. It was worth the trip. I, I hope I blessed the church, but man, I'm blessed just by hearing. I already knew everything he said, but when he said it again, uh, we, I just want to brag. We baptized 50 last Sunday at our church. And, <laughs> but we, we had 130 salvations, though. It was, it was a great day. But to think bigger... Think bigger. Think what God wants to do. And, you know, the Lord, the Lord started talking about the future. So we started a new church. Um, 
in 2003, we're 20 years old now, and the Lord blessed it. The Lord gave me a $40 million building for free. <clears throat> yeah, all those things really happened. We, we have a few campuses and all these things. My son, who was a drug addict, is now the executive pastor of the church. Matthew. And I just will brief, briefly say about that, that um, part of the breakthrough we have to have is to overcome negative thinking that becomes common when we endure a long negative season. So, so often, you know, this little tiny bottle of water doesn't weigh anything. But if I held it for 45 minutes, because I'm not in as good shape as Pastor Mark, if I held it, my hand would start shaking. Because it's not how much it weighs, it's how long I have to carry it. Often, what hits us the hardest is how long things last. I, I remember... When our, when our battle started, I said to the Lord, I can handle six weeks of this. When it ended six years later, two things I didn't believe. I, I couldn't believe I made it that long. And I couldn't believe it lasted that long. So sometimes the devil simply so discourages us because our timeline wasn't met. Our expectation was not fulfilled. And we, we just walk away. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to do. You could be right on the verge. All those beautiful testimonies. Right on the verge of family salvation, family breakthrough, personal breakthroughs in your life. Lastly, let me close with this story from Mark chapter 2. And I'll just kind of go through it quickly. Jesus is at a house, probably John Mark's house. He's at a house, and the whole city heard about him being there. The whole city shows up. When it was noised, he was there. They all came. People are flooding into Ocean's Church because they hear Jesus is here. Yes. He is the famous one. Yes. He, he receives all the glory as we sang so beautifully. One of those great songs from the Ocean Worship Team. And so the Bible says four friends were bringing a sick man, a paralyzed man. And they got there. By the time they got there, the house was so full, people were hanging out the door, hanging out the windows. There was no room. So instead of going home angry, just a couple of points. There's always a stumbling stone between you and your breakthrough. And the stumbling stone is a test of your resolve, your determination, your perseverance, your faith. I, I, I had a pastor work a few years ago. Um, a church consultant came and, and we were um, in need of doing things at our first building about 15 years ago. We'd outgrown it and, and, and he came into my office between services. He was panicking. I said, what's wrong? He said, I just counted 33 cars that came into the parking lot that was full and they just left because they couldn't find a parking space. And they, he said to me, what are you going to do about it? I said, nothing. If they can't park a block away and walk here, I don't even want them here. And I, I meant that then, I mean it now. If something that small 
can take you from Jesus. The devil's going to win every time in your story. So maybe I'm a little off with that, but that's just my feeling. So the fellas, instead of quitting, they climbed up on the roof. And they brought the guy on the bed. Don't you picture That wouldn't have been graceful. That guy's... That guy's in agony and he's already paralyzed. And he said, what's going on? He's, you know, he's, he's vertical now. <laughs> Don't drop me. I'm already hurting. What are you doing? And, and they got him to the road. Everybody needs four crazy friends that will do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus. So back then the roofs were flat and they were thatched. And so the Bible says they uncovered the roof. I don't know if the owner of the house appreciated that, you know. And they uncovered the roof, and, and the Bible says this. When they broke through, Jesus didn't break through. They broke through. Come on. When they broke through, they let the man down on ropes to Jesus. I commend Jesus' teaching, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. And I, I picture him, all of a sudden, the light starts coming in, straws falling down. I picture him just stopping. He's observing it all. The Bible says this, when he saw their faith, he said to the man, your sins be forgiven you. Take up your bed and walk, be healed. And the man was healed. Now here's my point. They're, they broke through because their determination exceeded the obstacle they faced. They broke through because their perseverance was greater than the limiting factors, the, the resistance between them and their miracle. See, I'm so grateful for a church like this that's breaking through by tearing open the limiting ceilings of past generations and say, we're gonna do something different and we're gonna bring people to Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, thank you, Pastor Mark, your faith. This church paid for the last baptism. You hear that all by themselves with a limited benefit to the church but a massive benefit to the kingdom come on tearing open things it's challenging everybody I feel challenged and inspired by it we're going to baptize Arizona when we are when we do baptisms in the summertime, we do really fast, by the way. Our baptisms are outside. We don't have to eat the water. We have to put ice into the water. It's 140. Turn it, cool it down. Thank you, God, for what you've done at Osha's church. And thank you, God, that we are watching in real time. Breakthroughs happen because of the courage of a man and woman, their team to do the impossible. What used to be impossible is being done. 
what used to be not even thought of is now being talked of. What used to be not prayed for is being prophesied to be done. Oh, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. In this year, so many things are converging on this year. I saw, Pastor Mark, that this year, it wouldn't just be that massive event and, of course, the transition of the new building and all. I saw two physical campuses given to you, brought, brought into the orbit, two more campuses. So it may seem overwhelming to you, but you're in a convergent season of escalation and God's just moving things because God's just waited to find someone. He's found it in you and he's just moving. And because your heart is big enough to share, I declare over every pastor that participates in the baptism and all the pastors here that their breakthrough is here too. It's their breakthrough time too in Jesus' name. So God, thank you for breakthrough. And I just want to encourage you, my friends, and when, when, when people say, oh, Pastor, how'd you break through? I, well, I forgave the people that hurt me, and I didn't quit. I didn't quit. I was watching uh, about 10 years ago, um, my two oldest granddaughters were, I think, seven and four. Uh, maybe six and four, and, and we were want so they came over, and I just love being a grand grandpa. Being a grandparent is so good. I'm so glad I didn't kill my kids. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. There's one of them right there. <laughs> and uh, so Isabella and London are coming over, and they said, "What do you want to do, girls?" They said, "Poppy, we want to watch the movie Frozen." <laughs> I said, "Well, I, I can't." Okay, we've we've watched it like 47 times. But if that's what you want, that's what I want. But make me some popcorn. And so I sit down, and they would they would flank me right and left, just sitting right next to me. And and they, they, I could if I turned my head, Poppy, don't turn your head. You're gonna miss what's coming. I'm like, I know it's coming. I remember this part. And. There's a song in there called Let It Go. If you've watched the movie Frozen 47 times, you beg Jesus to let it go. I'm, I'm begging with all my heart, Jesus. Any song, any other song. I'll go country western, just do whatever it takes. And we were watching the movie, and right in the middle of the movie one time, London just jumped in front of me. She's maybe three and a half, four, probably four. She grabbed my cheeks, she squeezed my face and said, Poppy, you're the funnest person in the whole world. I was suicidal. I was so depressed, I wrote a country western album. True story. I wrote a song about drinking. I've never had a drink of alcohol. You, you get so depressed, you write drink. I'm not, I don't drink at all. <laughs> and my grandkids, the oldest one now is 18, down to what? They only know a happy puppy. If, if Jesus can do that for me, come on. If he can do that for me, he can do it for you. 
I don't know the exact circumstances of your life. I just know Jesus is the restorer of life. And I'm proud of you for not, I'm proud of you for being here, for not quitting, for standing, for trusting God. Because there, there does come a day when everything changes. I, I tell my church, if it's not good yet, it only means God's not done yet. Let him finish what he's begun.